1: But this week, I'm really pumped about we get to talk about this. I saved it. Guys, we saved the two best sermons for the end of this sermon series, okay? Next week, because you get to hear from somebody who's been married much longer than I have, that probably have a ton more wisdom. But this week, because this week, uh, we're going to talk about sex. And I had to save that for the end, because if I started with that, It would have been bad. People would have been like, okay, I get it. And he would have gone. And it's not good because it's a winky face, right? It's the last thing that we build when we're building a relationship. So we're going to talk about sex. And and the title of the day's message is really simple. It's Godly Sex. Godly Sex. And I know that's like an unexpected title. Maybe it's not something you think you'd be ready to see in church. If you're a first-time guest, you're probably like, "This, I'm not going to this church. I have no idea. I Why did you invite me? Why are we here? And and I want you to know uh, uh, that it's only weird if you think God thinks sex is weird. And unfortunately, that's the stigma in church a lot, that sex is not something to be talked about, that it's weird, that it's a taboo topic, and it's now. We talked about that last Sunday, that God, um, not only is he a fan of sex, he created sex, and in fact, it was his very first commandment. He didn't tell Adam and Eve. Before he told Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit, he said, thou shalt be fruitful and multiply, okay? The New Living Translation, thou shalt get busy. That's what he said. That was his words. Now mine. And so listen, if sex is good and sexual desire is good, some of us probably have the question, why does it get us into so much trouble? And we explained that last Sunday. We said it's not that sexual desire is bad or that sexual passion is bad. It's passion without parameters that gets us into trouble. And so we did a little illustration, all right? We had a bunch of wood, and we said, listen, there's nothing wrong with building a fire. Building a fire is awesome, right? I mean, the fire is what got humanity out of the Stone Age, right? We cook with our fire. We we stay warm with our fire. Fire is great. Fire is awesome. We, we need fire, fire energy. It's what makes it all happen. Listen, this is not the problem. The problem is when I try and build this here with no boundaries. Because what is beautiful for a moment will burn down your house tomorrow if you don't put parameters around it and build on it. All right. And so he said, this is good. We just need parameters. We just need boundaries. We just need to kind of build it. And so and I'm really excited about this whole image here um, because it's it's painting a picture for us. A radical new image of God, not a God that is anti-sex but a God who wants to give you his principles so that you can have the most fulfilling, best sex life ever. That's the kind of God we serve. He wants us to enjoy it, and he wants it to help us, and he wants it not to hurt us, and he wants it to bless our lives, all right? And so, and so, so this is what we're going to do. And so just a little warning, today we're going to do more of a teaching. I'm, I'm a shouter. I like to shout. I like to preach. I like to be practical. But I don't want you to get used to one style of preaching for too long. And, and so today I'm going to teach you a little bit. And also, kind of a second warning, I know we got a lot of people who come to our church, and I love this, that they don't come to church often. And so the church is not like your thing. And you're just coming, maybe you came with a friend or you came to check it out. And I'm so glad you're here. And I don't want to put any pressure on you. I don't want you to, you know, just adopt our standards because we're just putting our standards on you. This is the biblical Christian standards of sex. This is how Christians do sex. And so my first title is Godly Sex. But my second title is off for everybody who's not to going to church um, today, my second title. My second title is This Is How We Do It. This is how we do it. <laughs> okay, so, you know you're singing it in your head right now. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Chill out, get saved. Okay, so... All right, so buckle up, put your seatbelts uh, on, uh, put your seat backs, tray tables are upright position, because uh, we're going to go for a journey uh, right now into sex God's way, and I think you're going to be super surprised, and our tour guide uh, for today is none other than King Solomon. Solomon wrote a book in your Bible called Song of Solomon. Depending on what Bible you have, it might be uh, called Song of Songs, and I'm going to tell you right now, it is the sexiest book in the Bible, okay? It is the sexiest book in the Bible. It's very intimate. There's things that are written in Song of Songs or Song of Solomon that look Rated R. This is not going to be a rated R message if you brought your child to church today. Um, This is going to be a PG-13 message. And if you brought your child to church today, you're probably thinking this was not the Sunday to bring my child to church today. I think that it is, because listen, I'm, too, I'm tired. For too long, the world has owned the conversation on sex. Hollywood has owned the conversation on sex. Hugh Hefner has owned the conversation on sex. The internet has owned the conversation on sex, and they've taken something that got meant to be beautiful, and they made it something that's ugly, and I just want to redeem it. Worldly people, people who don't believe the Bible, people who are the, the, the porn industry, they're not the authority on sex. You can talk about sex in a godly way, and it'd be awesome, and it'd be great. And so You can tell I'm a little passionate about this, because it gets me upset. When God creates something awesome and the devil gets credit for it. When God creates something amazing and the devil gets credit for it. And so I believe uh, he created this amazing thing. And so we're going to do that. We're going to go to Song of Solomon's. We're going to go right, right through it. And uh, there are eight chapters in the Song of Solomon. And each chapter is actually a different stage of the relationship. It's actually really neat because uh, in chapter one, it's two people who meet each other. And it's all about when you meet somebody that like love at first sight type feeling. Chapter two, they start dating. So you kind of get your dating principles from chapter two. Chapter three, they get married, which is pretty cool. It's just the marriage. Chapter four is the honeymoon night. And that's kind of where we're going to be today. We're going to be in the honeymoon night. And what's funny is chapter five is their first fight. is so real. <laughs> the honeymoon in chapter 4 and the first fight in chapter 5. <laughs> you need even wait to get to chapter 6. First fight right away. Um, but we're going we're gonna to spend some time um, in chapter 4, and, uh, and so you can go there with your Bible. Um, and, uh, and before we read it, you should also know that if you ever opened up the Song of Songs, it can be kind of uh, a little bit confusing because it's, it's written in a very different way. It's not written from one person's perspective. It's written from he, it's written from she, and it's written from others. And the reason why others are included is because no matter how much you wanna have a relationship with just with you and her or her and him, there's always gonna be other people who are trying to put their nose in your relationship, even if it doesn't belong. You're always gonna have friends and family. And so Song of Solomon, he's just like, listen, we can't avoid it. We're gonna to have to include these people in our relationship because they're not going anywhere. Um, and so you see he, and you see she, and they talk, and they talk, and I believe that that gives us our first principle for godly sex, and that is that this. Godly sex is intimate because godly sex is about the other person's perspective. That's why he talks and she listens. Then she talks and he listens because it's about the other person's perspective. Or in other words, intimacy. Godly sex is intimate. And the word intimacy, this will make more sense when you hear it, because the word intimacy means to know. And really, when we're looking to have sex, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for someone to know us, to know our dreams, to know our hopes, to know our passions, to know our fears. And, uh, and that's what we're really looking for. There is not just a biological reason for sex. There's also a spiritual reason. That's why you can have sex and be unfulfilled even after sex is over, because your biological itch was scratched, but your spiritual itch wasn't. And that's why God can only fulfill that. And our husband and our wife can only fulfill those. And that's why intimacy, by the way, is better than romance. A lot of women or a lot of men say, well, I want to be romantic. You don't want romance. You want intimacy. Because you can be intimate and not know me. You know what I'm saying? You can be intimate and not get me and not be fulfilled. I remember the first time I got Liz a present for Valentine's Day. It was flowers. Because that's what I thought all women wanted, flowers. And they were nice. And I spent money on it. And I came with her with the flowers, and you know she's so kind and so humble, and she took it, and she was like, Oh, thanks. But I knew it. I got to get to the sermon. I knew it right there. I was like, You hate these flowers. She was like, No, it's just that, you know, flowers aren't my thing. You know, they're going to die. I was like, Like this relationship. God, girl, be appreciative. No, I'm just playing. Um, I was like, Dang. You know, I tried to remember it, and I, and I, I tried to remember it, and, uh, and I was like, All right, I'm going to work on it. And then, and then, and then that, and the next times came, and I got her three presents. All cheaper than the, the flowers, by the way. But she loved it. I got her I got her I got her a Godiva chocolate, a Rubik's cube, and a Starbucks cup. I told her I told her I told her I told her babe, all these three things remind me of your personality. She said how so? I said, "Well, the chocolate is cuz you're sweet." I hope that was an encouraging laugh, not like a <laughs> lame. <laughs> no. Um, The second one was the Rubik's Cube. I said, because, girl, you are complicated. You got issues, but I'm here for it. (laughs) Okay, that's what I told her. I said, and the third is Starbucks cup because you are expensive. $5 for a cup of coffee? Come on. And that's true. Liz got expensive taste. Even her DNA is expensive. If she wears fake silver or fake gold, she breaks out in a rash. I'm like, you had to hook me up with that, God. The one person I can't fake, I can't fake one thing out on her. Uh, she loved it, and she loved that present. You know why she loved that present? Because it was about her. Listen to me. The best sex, godly sex, is a sex that is not centered on you, but that's centered on your spouse. And I believe that's why God made men and women so differently, so that we could reach the highest level of intimacy, which is to work at trying to understand and serve your partner. Men and women are different. Can I get an amen? Come on, especially in the sexual arena. My God. Men are microwaves. Women are crockpots. It is physically possible, scientists say, for a man to be ready for sex in less than six seconds. Not women. Uh (laughs) You better take a shower. You better light a candle and you better go get the lotion. All right, we got a process here. Men are motivated by what they see. Women are motivated by what they hear. M- women are, are, are into the journey. Men are all about the destination. I'm just saying, we are different. And the reason we are different and the reason why God put us together is not so that we could clash, but so that we could sacrifice a little bit of ourselves to understand who they are and reach the highest level of intimacy. So that when we're being intimate with our partner, our partner looks at us and man, I know that wasn't easy for you, but thank you so much for doing, I feel you know me, you get me, you have a relationship with me, I understand. It's 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 romantic and, and, it's, and, it's, and it and and it makes you realize that, that 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 sex is not about not so much about me but about what I can give my partner is intimate okay mom don't say amen too loud it's weird all right um, and so so that's what it's that's about okay so intimacy all right now you gotta be aware that's my mom in the fur, I can't preach this message with her here okay and so that's intimacy now you gotta be you gotta be careful because intimacy has an ugly step twin cousin okay. Intimacy has a cousin, and, and this cousin, it looks like intimacy, but it's not. It's called infatuation, and I got I to gotta, I gotta warn you about infatuation because it's just like intimacy, but it's different, all right, and the, and the word for infatuation is so interesting when I did a study on this. Go ahead. Plug it in. Follow me, Joey. You're my guy. Go ahead. You got it. You can plug it. All right. Okay. Here we go. So, so, so. All right. Infatuation looks just like intimacy. This a fire? That's a fire. But if I told you the Latin word, the Latin meaning of the word infatuation, it'd blow your mind. Because you know what Latin means? You know what no, no, Latin means. You know what infatuation means in Latin? It means fake fire. Because it has an image of intimacy, but does not contain the principles or benefits of intimacy. It looks like fire, but it will never warm you. And that's a problem because now we have a generation of young men and young women who have fallen in love with images of sexuality. And they've become infatuated with images of sexuality. And now it messed them up because now they think that this is intimacy. So when they get married, their husband and wives can never live up to the standards that they've been watching on a computer screen. It's messed up their mind because in their mind, this is what intimacy is. It's instant. It's quick. It's fast. It's all about me. It's nice to look at, but really serves no purpose. And we got infatuated minds trying to engage in intimacy. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your future marriage, and, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit today. And it might make some people feel uncomfortable. I you know, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. If you're here and you struggle with with images and, and mental pictures and and things like that, I'm going to give you some tools that are going to help you today. And I'm not here to make you feel bad or guilty, but I'm going to help you. So I'm going to put this down because we're going to serve this image is going to serve us a little later. But infatuation is different than intimacy. Infatuation is all about. You, infatuation, is, 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 is an image, it's an idea, but it's not centered on the other person, which is the second principle that Solomon gives us in the scriptures. He goes into chapter 4. Let's begin to read. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. It goes like this. Now, now some background information, okay? Um, he is speaking. The groom is speaking. The guy is speaking, all right? and and but, but up until this point, the woman has been speaking for 75% of Song of Solomon so far. He hasn't said a word since chapter 2. I'm just saying. And he's about to speak. Now, this is the beginning of the honeymoon night. Now, fellas, pay attention because he speaks for 11 verses before he ever touches her. Write that down. That will help you, okay? man. write that down. Speak for 11 verses before I touch it. That's what you need to do. Okay. Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 4, 1 through 4. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Let me explain. The mountains of Gilead, there were black-haired goats in Israel. And when they would run down, they would, they, would, they would, you know, kind of like that. And it would flow. And so what they're saying is the veil is coming off. Because it's behind the veil, so the veil is coming off. She's taking off the veil, which also kept up her hair. So, so the New Living Translation of what I'm talking to you is this: <laughs> That's what's happening. All right, she's getting undressed in front of him. Bible's cool. The Bible's cool, and he's he's listing her features, and he's starting at the top and he's working his way down. Your teeth. So we started with the hair. Now your teeth are like a flock of sheep, just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has its twin, and none of them is alone. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. He said, girl, your breath is good. Your teeth are white, and they're all there. Amen. That's what he's saying. Your temple's behind your veil like the halves of a pomegranate. Church is going to be fun today. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built with courses of stone. On it hang a thousand shields. All of them shields of warriors. Listen, what is he doing? He's trying to speak life into his bride. Because what you don't know is that in chapter one, she's she's getting on herself. In chapter one, she sees a man who is beautiful, but he th- or handsome. And she looks at herself, she goes, I'm no good for you. She said, My skin is tan, you wouldn't want me. Today to have tan skin is beautiful. But back then, if your skin was tan, that meant that you were a laborer outside, that you worked, and your skin got ashy and cracked. And he's all like, Girl, I love your ashy elbows. i will come here, girl. I'll take. You're beautiful right now. He is speaking life into her. Why? Because godly sex is affirming. God's words are powerful. And you need to be able to affirm your spouse before you engage in intimacy with your spouse. You need to be able to speak life. Words are powerful. Listen, Liz used to do this thing when we got married that used to annoy me, but now it just impresses me. She used to do this thing, not so much. We would get into an argument, and in the middle of the argument, she would... would, She would bring up something from the past with amazing detail. I used to be mad. Now I'm just like, (laughs) we'll get in the car. She'd be like, hey, I just, you know, it'd just be nice if you held the door open for me. And I'm like, oh, you're right, babe. I'm so sorry. You know, I can't remember the last time I didn't hold the door open for you, but I'll hold it for you. Last time she was like, April 14th, 2008. Cheesecake Factory, it was a Wednesday. Our waitress's name was Sally. (laughs) I'm like, dang, girl, go ahead, that's awesome. You gotta be careful. Listen, spouse, when you get hysterical, you don't get historical, you know what I'm saying? You gotta be careful that you're not pulling out the past. Why does she remember it, though? Not because she's a woman, I'm not being sexist. Why does she remember it? Because words hurt. Or they can build you up. The things you say can build someone up or they can tear someone down. Your words are powerful. And so, men, you got to be able to affirm your wife. And this is what she needs affirmation in, who she is and in her beauty. You need to affirm her in those things. You need to tell her those things often and as often as you can. And here's the secret. Do it randomly and do it in public. All right? That's the secret, okay? So I do that with Liz all the time. The other day, she went to a women's conference. As soon as she left the house, I sent a little text. I said, I just want to let you know you are so beautiful, and I miss you, and you are just, oh, my, I don't know how I got you. I love you. So I sent her. It took her five hours to write back, but whatever. Um, She was driving. I get it. She was driving. I get it. I was affirming her, and and that's not. And that's. And listen, I need to tell you guys this because I want you to schedule romance, but not affirmation. You got to be affirming all the time. Don't schedule that. Don't put that on your calendar. Say something nice to my wife today. Don't do that. Do it always because I know what you're thinking right now, guys. Because you're looking for the shortcut right now. You see two distances. You're trying to find the rightest way. So you say, okay. So I got to be affirming before I get intimate. So five minutes before we get intimate, I'm gonna be like, I just want you to know you're beautiful. Your teeth are like sheep from the washing, and <laughs> your hair is like a flock of seagulls. What was it? Goats? That's just what. To... It's not gonna work. Five minutes before, it's got to be a lifestyle of affirmation. Women, your men—they don't really care what you think about their physical. I mean, it's cool. I'm sure you go up to a guy and be like, you know, nice. But I'm sure he's gonna be like, thanks. You know, or, I love your biceps. Or, That's weird. Okay, but here's what guys want to be affirmed in: our accomplishments. We want to know that you know we can do stuff. They were good at it. So the reason why I can build this church is not just because I have the power of the Holy Spirit, but because I have a woman who's behind me every Sunday when I get off this pulpit thinking, boy, you killed it today. My God. T.D. Jakes who? God, you got this. You can do it. I'm like, I can do it. I will do it. We're going to plant four more churches in the next two days right now. Let's do it. Get pumped, right? Because she, she, she affirms me, all right? And you say, well, well, what if that's not true? You can't preach like GDJ. Well, she's lying. She's not lying. She's creating the standard with her words instead of, instead of causing me to live down to her low standard. I want to tell my wife that she's nice, but she's not. <laughs> I want to tell my husband he's helpful, but he's not. Cool. So tell him who he is and who always act like who he is. So speak to who he can be and he'll become who you say that he can be. Raise the standard with your words. Raise the standard with your words. Your words are powerful. words are powerful. All right, next verse, Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 5. It's getting graphic, guys. Your two breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. All right, what's he saying? You really don't understand this if you've never gone hunting before. Now, I've never been hunting. Raise your hand if you've been hunting, if you've hunted for deer or gazelles or... Fonds. All right. You've been hunting before, right? One of the key, 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 key things of being hunting is silence, is it not? You got to hide behind the tree and you got to be very, it's like, you know, right? Yeah. If you want to catch a deer, the worst way to catch a deer is to see two fawn out there and then just be like, hey, fawn! Bang! You know, it's not going to work. They're going to run away. I think what Song of Solomon is saying, hey, chill out, bro. <laughs> Because godly sex is tender. You can't just come up in there and be like, ah, because you know what? She's not an object for your pleasure. She's not someone that you attack or that you or that you or that you get aggressive with because that's that's the way you fantasize, that's the way you imagine sex to be. It's not like that. It needs to be tender, it's gotta be calm, it's gotta be responsive. I get asked all the time, all the time, especially in this series: hey, we're married. Um, and we want to know what are the cool things that we can do in bed or what are not the cool things that we can do in bed? Can you get in? They want like a list. And I'm like, I don't have that list. And I don't know that anybody has that list. And, and honestly, the moment I wrote that list, they would invent something else that would, <laughs> that would be on that list. I can't tell you what's okay, but here's what I'll tell you. Here's the ground rules. Are you ready? Here's the ground rules for all. And if you're single, you're probably thinking, oh, this message is not for me because I'm not married. No, this is for you. Remember, we said that if you're married, you practice this. If you're single, you got to prepare for this. So anybody who's single, I'm going to give you some guidance to help prepare you for when it's time to be intimate. Here it is. You, you, you don't want to do anything that cheapens her or anything that makes him feel cheapened. And so you can be as creative as you want as long as the other person is okay with it because they are not an object. They're not there for your pleasure. It's about serving and understanding the other person. That's why we had to set that first ground rule, which is intimacy. It's about the other person. So you can get as creative as you want, but you can't ever force the other person into doing something that you want to do that they don't feel comfortable with. Is that okay? Come on, say amen. That's hard to preach about, but I needed to talk about it. Song of Solomon chapter four, verse six. Until the day breaks. All night long. That's what he said. Lionel Richie took that from Solomon. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. Now it's getting really graphic because he's saying the mountains of myrrh and the hill of incense. There are two of those mountains. Yes, that's what he's talking about. And you're thinking, wow, this is getting really, you know, this is getting really rated really art. This is it. Yeah. And you know what? You thought the Bible was boring. It's not. You're boring. I'm just kidding. We're boring. It's not boring. The world would want us to think that. But it's not. Here's the, here's what I've learned from reading Song of Solomon. Godly sex is passionate. It is fun. Believe you me, and it's the way that God designed it to be. And now people are looking at their fire though. After a couple of years of, get, after a couple of years of getting married, people are looking at their fire and they're thinking, man, but the fire is getting low. The passion in my relationship is dying. When we first got married, man, that honeymoon night, it was awesome. But now it's been a couple years, and that fire's kind of getting low. And then you meet somebody at work or you meet somebody at church or you meet somebody at school and you're looking over there, and their fire looks so awesome, and their fire looks bright. And you're like, man, in my marriage, we're kind of dying out. The fire's kind of getting low. But look at that, that's exciting. That's that, that looks great. But don't be fooled. It's an imposter. It's not intimacy, it's infatuation. It's instant. Okay, and it costs no money up front. It's like a a timeshare, okay? They're not going to ask you for any money when you buy it, but you'll be paying that for life. And that's exactly what it is. Infatuation will cost you. Listen, people will say the grass is greener on the other side. The grass is greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Your, your fire, if your fire is dying out, you got to put logs on the fire. You got to put fuel on the fire. If the passion in your marriage and your relationship and your sex life is that, you got to serve. You got to be romantic. You got to be passionate about this. It takes work, guys. What kind of work? Well, what kind of work did you put in to get that person in the first place? That kind of work. Well, that was a lot of work. Well, I got, I put in so much work to get Liz. It was not even funny. So much work and so much money. I I worked $500 a month, minimum wage, not even minimum wage. $500 a month in ministry, because that's all my pastor would pay me. And I was living at home, so it wasn't a big deal. So for a year, I was $500 a month, and i just saved it. I had no need. I had no bills. I was pretty good. I'm gassed, you know. i just saved it, $500 a month. In In our first three dates, I think I went through a whole year of savings with Liz. She never asked for it. I was just so convinced she was out of my league. I thought, and then she lived in Orlando. I lived in Tampa. So she would come down for one date and then go home for a month. So I had one day in my mind. Oh, well, she wouldn't come back for date number two. So every date, babe, right? It started at like nine in the morning and then it was until like nine at night and we went to bush Gardens. We went to museums. We had lunch and dinner. She must've thought I was a baller. She, man, this guy, I just knew. I was like, I have to do everything in my power to get there. I'm gonna work hard to get her. Listen, if I do all that to... to 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 get her and then do none of that to keep her. There's a disappointment right there that's going to be in our marriage. Why isn't it passionate like it used to? Man, when we were dating, we used to have to quote the Bible to keep ourselves pure. You know what I'm saying? But now when you get married, all of a sudden it's like, what's on your schedule? What's on my schedule? You got time? Uh, Go to sleep. Why? Because we're not longer throwing fuel on the fire. You got to do those things. So guys, do for your women what you did to get them in the first place. Was it flowers? Go bring flowers, man. Was it chocolate? Bring chocolate. Was it write poems? Do write a poem. It doesn't even have to be good. They don't care. Just gotta like rhyme. and have her name in it. Let's <laughs> do something. Women, I'm going to talk to the women in a second. Women, what kind of work did you do when you were first dating? Why did you stop? I don't know what it is you do when you get ready. But it takes time. There's, there's, I did a sermon series on makeup one time. There's like 20 layers. Each one has a purpose and a function and a shimmer and a, and I'm thinking, wow, that's a lot of work to get ready. That's how you got ready on your first date. I'm just asking, is that how you get ready out to go now? Because sometimes they'll be like, we're going to movies. Cool. Got a hat and some sweatpants. (laughs) It's cool. I'm going to love you the way you are. I'm just saying you are not helping the cause. (laughs) Is all I'm saying. If I'm going to put work in and continuing, and listen, you think, oh, well, guys, they're just so visual. It's not. Can I let you into a guy's psyche? It's not about the visual. It's that he wants to believe that you think he's someone still worth putting work in for. He wants to believe that you still want to be beautiful for him. That's what he wants to believe. She wants to believe that she's still worth being pursued, that she's still worth being chased, and that's why you got to do it. And so it's passionate. You got to work at that passion, all right? So Godly Sex is passionate. I'm going to kind of move on a little here. Uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 7. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. I'm going to hit this real quick move on. But listen, godly sex is secure. He said there was no flaw in her. But she admits by her own admission in chapter 1 that she is flawed. But in his mind, she's not flawed because he has a different standard than she has. She sees all of her imperfections. He decides to see her as perfect no matter what her imperfections are. And this is where I got to talk about infatuation again. And I got to talk about pornography again and guys and girls. This is where I got to talk about it. men and women. Here's where I got to talk about it because you are in love with an airbrush. You are in love with Photoshop. You think you're in love with the girl on the cover of the swimsuit. You're not. You're in love with Photoshop and an awesome photographer and a ton of bronzer and great lighting. You are, you are in love with the fake, false image. My husband's not as romantic as he was. You're not in love with your husband. You're in love with the guy on The Bachelor. The guy on The Bachelor has like $100,000 given to him to put on a date. Like, you're, he don't have that. He might drive a Hyundai. He might have, you know, but... But he loves you. We got to be careful that we don't allow television, that we don't allow magazines, that we don't allow images to set a standard for what my wife is supposed to look like or my husband is supposed to look like, how they're supposed to treat me or love me. You got to let the word of God create that standard and not Hollywood. And finally, Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse nine and 11. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine, than the fragrance of your perfume, more than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb. This is the first time they touch right here. Verse 11. First time they get physical. Now, the Bible doesn't let us know what happens after that. This is kind of where they close the doors for us, Solomon does. But he says, Your lips is their kissing, or sweetness as the honeycomb. My bride, check this out milk and honey are under your tongue. Y'all, Yo, that's a French kiss. 1900 years before French was a nation, mind you. I thought we changed the name, Hebrew kiss. Doesn't sound as great. It doesn't sound as great, but here's my point. God invented it. God invented it, y'all. I'm telling you, the world is getting too much credit for this wonderful, beautiful thing called fire, called passion, called intimacy. God does not want to steal the fun out of your relationship or your sexual life. He wants to show you how much fun it can be, how much blessing there is in it to catch if you do it his way. If you do it his way. He's not trying to get you to live a life without excitement. He wants you to be excited, but he wants to do it his way. Verse 12. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Here's what he's saying. One of the reasons why you're so beautiful is because you waited for me. I appreciate your virginity. I appreciate that you waited for me. Now, listen, that's because godly sex is holy. But let me explain. Because I'm not naive. I don't think that I'm speaking to a room of 100 virgins today. I know that I'm not. And, and I think that people read a passage of scripture like that, locked up, pure, fountain that's never been tainted. And immediately you think, that's why I don't go to church. That's why I don't go to church. That's why I don't love God. That's why I can't stand here. That's why my skin is crawling, even as we speak, because I know I'm not good enough. Because I know I made mistakes. Because I know this happened to me when I was a, a young person. Or this happened to me when I was a child. Or this happened. This is some decisions that I made. Some choices that I made. And that's why I don't like church. And that's why I'm never coming back. Because you expect me to be something that I can't be. And this, the whole song of Psalms doesn't you know apply to me. Because now I found out that they were virgins all along. And I'm not that. And my marriage is ruined. no. bad choices before I got married. I made some bad decisions with women before I got married. I didn't come into my marriage with with, with parity. I came with baggage. I came with the history. I came with scars. I came with wounds. But here's what I learned. And I wrote it down so I could say it just right so that you would would receive this. Listen to me. Holy people aren't perfect. Holy people are forgiven people. Holy people aren't perfect people. Holy people are forgiven given people. What makes you holy isn't what you've done. What makes you holy is what Jesus did. And I just got to stay in that moment until somebody in this room finds healing today. Because so I think there are three types of people here. A person who's never made a decision to follow Christ. And, and you feel like you've made some bad choices second person who maybe you're a christian but you're struggling if i'm a christian why do i keep having these battles if i'm a christian why do i keep making these choices because you're not the one who perfects you he perfects you people tell me all the time well if i'm a christian why do i still struggle with sexuality why do i still struggle with with with, with this and that and i'm like just dude just stay planted just keep coming to church just keep taking notes just keep coming to small group." Just keep lifting up your hands and worship. Just keep singing. God is going to work all that out in your life. You don't perfect yourself. He perfects you. Or finally, I feel like I'm talking to a third person. Maybe you were abused sexually when you were younger. Somebody did something to you. And when you think of sex, you don't think of pleasure. You don't think of joy. You think of hurt. You think of shame. You think of pain. Wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, Jesus is here to give you a brand new start. Jesus is here to give you a brand new start to redeem. What does redeem mean? To change the purpose of, to redeem what the devil meant to take out of your life. To redeem it and put it back into your life. Clean is brand new. new. Clean with purpose. So every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here today. Maybe you need healing. I want to pray for healing right now. Somebody did something to you when you were younger. Father God, bring healing right now in Jesus' name. Maybe there's a past you can't shake. Someone touched you. Someone took advantage of you. You've been carrying it for years. There is restoration. What the devil tried to kill you with, God is going to use to be a testimony in your life to help other people who have gone through what you've been through. And I just declare restoration right now hope right now you might not believe it because you can't feel it but there is a new beginning starting today right here right now healing in jesus name continue to keep your eyes closed and head bowed nobody leaves. this holy spirit is healing people right now it's a beautiful thing i want to speak to the other person maybe you've never made a decision to follow christ maybe you've never made a decision to make jesus your lord and savior and you think you know what with my past, with my history, there's no way I've done things to others. There's no way he could forgive me. There's no way he could look at me and love me. And I want to tell you what the devil doesn't want you to hear. Here is God's words over you. How beautiful you are, my darling. Your hair, your teeth, your lips, your neck, your shoulders. You know what God is saying? I love you just the way you are. You don't got to put on makeup for me. You don't got to do your hair for me. You don't got to you don't got to get rid of all your baggage for me. I'll get rid of your baggage. I'll clean you. I'll make you whole. I'll make you perfect. Here's the only thing you got to do. Love me and let me work on you. If you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want to make a decision publicly, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I just want you to lift your right hand saying, yep, I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, when I say three, shoot your right hand up to the sky. One, two, three. I want Jesus in my life right now. I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, give it up. We got about three people right now making a decision to follow Jesus Christ.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text JOURNEYORL to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.